Welcome to another episode of Through the Lens of Christ. I'm Adam Baker. I'm here with Steve Douster. Hi, Adam. <laughs> I didn't formally give him a spot to talk, so I was waiting to see if he No, could. that's good. I took the, I took the opening and <laughs> jumped into it. I like it. Um, today, as, as per usual, our, our um, desire in these conversations is to be talking about uh, things not necessarily of a biblical nature, but how do we view everything uh, through the redemptive lens of Christ? How do we view everything through uh, God's sovereignty and that even things that we, we don't understand or disagree with or aren't comfortable with, how do we begin to wrestle through those things together as believers? And I enjoy these conversations with Steve, being able to um, uh, have some of these conversations. We, we've, we began this, I, I don't know, we're four months in, something like that. Um, and it's amazing. It is. It is. Um, and this year has given us many things to talk about. Um, and so it's, it's just been good and healthy, I think, for us to, to be able to wrestle through some of these things together and uh, try to remain scriptural, try to remain Christ-centered in all things as we try to navigate life. So in these conversations, this would be uh, part one of two, uh, probably. The, um, there, there's an article that came out by um, Owen Strahan and um, he just lists truths that we need today, and there's 10 of them. So we're going to buzz through these pretty quick. Um, they're basically just statements about two things, that one thing is not another thing, and that how do we, it, and there are two things that we often conflate together. The first one being government is not God. And so things that are, um, things that get positioned together often and are hard for us to uh, dissect, he just pairs those things up in 10 different pairings. And we want to go through them pretty quickly. We won't get too deep. But again, as we're always looking for feedback, if there's one or two of these pairings that seem to be more engaging than others and you'd like to talk more, we would love to know that. Um, so starting with this conversation, um, we stood, the first one that we have is government is not God. Now, we, we beat up politics a lot for, for good reason over the last few months. Um, but the idea that government is not God has come up from us a couple of different times in a couple of different ways. Uh, politicians aren't Christ, right? Yeah. Government is not God. And, and we have to understand how do we view, um, gov- is gov- can government be good? I'll ask that question. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it can be good, and it can be, it is ordained by God, and God, God ordains things for our good. So, so yes, it can be good. It can also be harmful and hurtful, and it can also be painful. But it's all used by God. I was just sitting here as you were, as you were kind of introing this thing and kind of setting it up. I'm looking through the list and I'm thinking about these things, and I want to add one more thing to the setup, which is all these things are secondary issues. There's a primary one that has to underlie all of them, which is faith in Jesus Christ and understanding Scripture and understanding who we are. Um, but yet all 10 of these, if there are 10, if that's how many there are, I was looking through um, and seeing them, and, and all of them are being pressured on us by our culture in different ways. So I think the idea here is, as always, know Christ, be changed by Christ, um, move outward from ourselves into a Christian looking through the lens of Christ, looking through Christ to the culture. And then these things um, are things that are just hitting us right now, I think, all at the same time that we should keep kind of at the front of our minds as we move in and out of our day and life and politics and culture and everything else. So yeah, and does, that, I, does that make it's sense? It's really fair. I, I think what I would even go so far as to say as we walk through these things that um, 
these are the reasons that these exist. I'm, I'm guessing why Owen put these things together is because these are things that are actively distracting us from Christ. Exactly. And and half of these are are good, right? That that as he pairs these things together, there's a good side and kind of a a, a negative side, or at least a piece that we can conflate um, incorrectly. Mm-hmm. But in total, if they're distracting us from Christ, which again has been happening a lot lately. Um, then we can we can just get a little beside ourselves, and so that's a good good setup. Yeah, I, th- I think so too. And it, we maybe we're not distracted by all of them at the same time, but certainly one or two of them are. We're probably over the you know off the wrong side of the horse there, and mm-hmm. kind of falling off on one side or the other, and that could be a problem. So so yeah, with all that, back to government is not God. I do think that it, that's that's a particular problem, and has been certainly this year, but also with the election season, thinking that you know we just government just absolutely has to do some things or we're in real trouble. And I mean, like real, real trouble, not just like uncomfortable trouble or economic trouble or or even moral trouble, but we're in real trouble. And so, you know, making sure the emphasis on God and his kingdom are uppermost in our minds and our prayers and in our thoughts and realizing that government is underneath that and, and God ordains it, whether it's in our favor, if you will, or not, it's still uh, it's still important. But it is not ultimate, and that's that's I think part of the idea there. Yeah, and it's not. I mean, our desire should be that our government is perfect and accurately reflecting um, Christ's love and the truth of God. Yeah. But we also understand that it's a it's a fallen construct, and that that our responsibility is not to force it to be like God, but right. to rather understand, as you said, that God has ordained it. And so, what is He doing in it? It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be engaged. Doesn't mean we shouldn't be involved. Doesn't mean we shouldn't care. Um, but the point is, is that it's not. We shouldn't just equate these two things and then constantly. I think I think we put government on such a pedestal that when we see it broken, we try we actively and aggressively try to fix it because this should be our kind of our, our kingdom on earth. Right. And it's it's not the way we should be looking at it. Well, right. So we we aren't to make it the moral kingdom in this world. We are to use it as a, I believe, a structure that fosters um, the ability for us to move through this world to heaven. Yes, that's that's, that's what that is. It's a structure. It's a it's a it's a way that God has put something here for us to move through and not to rest on. Yeah, and to help us long for the perfected kingdom. Oh, for sure. Right. Yes, absolutely. Okay, we could go on there for so long. Um, the mm-hmm. next one, men are not women. Now that seems obvious on its face. It does, but uh, culturally, and and I, there's one on. I think the next one is on identity. So I'll hold some of my thoughts on that till the next one. Mm-hmm. Um, but just even the idea that that we're uh, Steve and I are aligned on a complementarian view of men versus women, and that. There's a beauty in the fact that men are not women and women are not men. And there's a there's actually a glory in the fact that we actually are perfectly brought together com- in a complementary way rather than saying that we're all equal and we can exist and operate outside of one another. I believe that, that it's pretty clear scripturally, especially you go back to the creation account, that we're incomplete without the other. We're not exactly identical, but we're incomplete without the other. And I think it's important for us to recognize that. Well, I think that's very true and, and certainly scriptural. The other thing I think we have trouble with in our society and our culture right now, uh, in the West in particular, is what is a man and what is a woman, not even being able to identify them. So what, what I think we're finding is a, a divorce happening between who we are and what our, and what our body is. 
So the actual physical part of us and then the spiritual part of us or the, uh, or the part of us that we think of as ourself is, is divorced from the body. So, so there's a thing called body self-dualism where we're, we're split in two and we're not a, a joined unit, which Scripture calls us to be. So we, we are tied to our bodies. Our bodies are us, and, and we are a matched set, if you will, um, now. Now, that's not permanent because we are separated from our body upon our death, but, but the Christian faith shows clearly that the body is important, it's ours, and it shows it in such a way that when we're resurrected, we get our body back in, in a perfected form, just like Jesus got his body back as well. So what, I, what we find in our culture today is this divorcing of all of these things, and it's, it's causing a lot of difficulty, and it does also lead into, I think, the next topic, uh, this identity issue, who am I and how do I understand myself in this world? Yeah, and again, going back to a scriptural perspective on identity, specifically gender identity, we understand, as, as you said, there is a disconnect between our our outer self and our inner self. They mm-hmm. are one, but we still operate in this fallen, broken world. And what we see all throughout Scripture is that God is actively working through Christ to redeem our inner self. And He's that is what's broken, right? right. And, and I think the world sees it and knows that there's brokenness, but they're trying to attack what they can fix. So because there's some... some uh, uh, amount of disunity between uh, inner self and outer self. We try to fix the outer because we can do that. Um, but again, we see scripturally that's in Jeremiah and Psalm where he says that the uh, the potter, that, that God is the potter and he's made us like we're the clay. And the imagery that he's giving is that he's molded and shaped and cared for, but the inner self is broken. Yeah. And he's redeeming that and he's fixing it. And what people are acknowledging is that they're broken, but then they're trying to take that brokenness and fix it through outward changes. Um, and that's biblically, we're, we're called to acknowledge our brokenness and say, God, I need you to redeem this inner self. Uh, yeah, for, for, for sure. Yeah, I think that's, I think it's accurate. And so we, so then it goes into this identity perspective, which is greater than even just just any sort of of gender dysphoria or confusion. Um, there is this whole idea of where do we find ourselves, who we are, how do we define who we are, and and how we've talked about it in politics, we've talked about it in gender, we've talked about even man versus woman. We we have this extreme focus on identity, and um, identity in itself has become. Um, problematic. Well, it sure has, and I think identity, you know, our culture, and I, th- I think it's, whether it's you're a Christian or whether you're not, our identity is developed from within, typically. And so, and, th- and then not only that, we, we have this um, this need to express ourselves as well. So this individual me that wants to express ourselves in different ways. We do it on social media. Uh, we do it in the way we talk and the way we act the way we communicate, the way we dress. And, and oftentimes, I'm going to kind of go backwards into this thing too, you know, the, the man-woman thing and the, the body being divorced from the mind, we start using our body as an expression of what we are inside and trying to conform it to what we think we are and not to who we actually are. And so we can see all those kind of things happening. Like, I feel like I'm a, a man, but I'm in a woman's body, and I want to change my body to match my self-identity and express my 
independent self through my body. Um, that's more of the one of the more extreme versions. We all, but we all do this. We do it in the way that we dress. We project to others what we want them to see, which may or may not be who we are. We do it through the way we style our hair. We do it through tattoos, using our body as a billboard of sorts. So I'm not saying this getting in trouble that's necessarily wrong, but I'm, I'm saying, especially when it doesn't match who I am as a person somehow, we are, uni- we are to be unified as Christians in our body as an individual person, and that expression should be the expression of Jesus Christ. That's who we're, if we're a believer, we're being, we're being sanctified, made more like Christ, and as we move toward him, that's what should be coming out of us, and not a lot of this other stuff that's kind of clouds things and makes makes things more confusing then they are clear. Well, and, and this goes back to what we've been talking about on Sunday mornings, this idea of submission. Mm. Right? We just do not desire to submit. And so we have this identity within us that we've created in this self-truth, and I refuse to submit to a power that's greater than me, being God and being the, the representation of Christ. And I, I refuse to submit to that truth. Right. And so I keep forcing. It's almost like um, all those expressions you were talking about. It's like we're trying to convince ourselves that we're okay. Yeah. And so we we have all these conversations with ourselves, expressing them externally to prove out why I don't need to submit. And the answer is not in the external expression. The answer is in the internal submission. And we've got to figure that out. That is so important. It's, it's so important. Think of another example, social media. Laying out there on social media, <laughs> what I want everyone else to see, it's not really me, but I, I want them to perceive myself in this way because that's my self-identity. So I'm expressing it outwardly, but it's not really me. We can't get to the real me until we actually have a heart-to-heart conversation, honestly, probably an in-person conversation of great length and of substantial depth before we can actually get to who we are. Yes. And and yep. and I have to want and also informed by scripture and and the holy spirit. Otherwise we will not get to who we really are and who we really are is declared by God, not by us to begin with. Correct. That's yes. the, that's the thing you're talking about as well with a yes. submission to God. Exactly. Yeah, that's Boy, Which, we could Ooh, we could talk a long time about that, I'm afraid, but we, we shouldn't. Could, we could. We could. I'm, I'm going to segue us because what you said was something good where you said it should be um, in-person conversation at length and in-depth. The next uh, point that, that Owen gives us is church is not optional. And I think that's exactly one of the reasons why church is not optional. Yes. Because we, when we say church, yes, we're talking about attending with other believers to a place where we can gather. But the point is, is that the fruit of that is those conversations, yes. th- those hard conversations that help us navigate the difficulties of life. I should be able to say, hey, I got some things happening in me that I don't understand. I'm really frustrated with, I don't feel like I'm I'm who I think I am. I don't know how to express that. I better be able to turn to some people who are biblically grounded, not just tell me what I want to hear, but are actually biblically grounded. And now I'm likely not going to turn to someone biblically grounded if I don't think the Bible is truth. And so the church becomes not optional as believers. Well, right. So not only I might see some things in myself that I need help with, but um, the other way around, really, and most importantly as well, other people might be seeing something in me and say, hey, you you are not, <laughs> you, you're divided here. You're, you're, you say or portray yourself as one thing, and I can tell that you're not because I've experienced this or I've seen that or I've heard this. What's going on? And we can check each other. Once again, this mosaic that the church is of all of our different personalities, um, you know, that we've been changed by Christ, yet we're our own 
going back to the individualism, individual people created by God a certain specific way that's meant to be, they're meant to fit together in a church body and then again in the broader church in our time. So all of that is critically important. And that, that is a challenge for church, especially today with COVID. We're, we're ushered in quickly. We're ushered out quickly so we can't talk to one another and be with one another. And I realize there's a, um, there's a harmfulness of the COVID virus, but there's a harm going on to all of us as well when we're not able to interact at any depth. Um, the psychological impact, the cultural impact of our church, all those things are real damaging uh, things that are happening even now. Yeah, I think that our, our greater concern is not, and, and it becomes hard because we are focused on the immediate, but yes. our greater concern is not, will our church make it, right? How do we make sure that we navigate, the will we weather this storm? The greater concern is, what is the health of the body once we get through this? Yes. Like, you know, if we've become so fractured, we even though, to, to your point, that we've, we've tried to navigate ways in which we can meet on Sunday morning, but meeting is not the biblical version of meeting where we're actually enjoying each other um, and so we've diminished that in some ways and 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 again I, I agree I'm not I'm not sure which is right and which is not we're operating and trying to be cautious and still trying to figure out how to meet together and I'm not sure where the line is but I do know the line that we've drawn as a church is one that could lead to future uh, concerns of, of just fracturing of people and dividing of the body. Not intentionally. I think no. it's all being trying to be done as, as best we can, but those are the things that we pray through is that how do we continue to learn? Um, how do we, how do we respond to the, the present condition in a, in a biblical way? Well, not honestly, I mean, I, I, I don't think I could do any better than the church. The elders are leading the church right now. I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot of things going on and moving parts. And I think we're actually probably doing a pretty good job by and all, by and large. Yeah. Um, there's, there's compromises everywhere. Plenty. <laughs> plenty. <laughs> right. And, and right. And so we're, you know, I know that it's, and there's, but there's also options of plenty as well. And, and so people can be led to do things as well as the church making them available. There's all kinds of ways that can be looked at. Yes. Yep. And then how, how do we make sure even coming out of this, that I think there's an equal mix of not being able to meet the way that we want to. And I'm going to take this opportunity to say that I can't meet. Yes. And, right. So how do we make sure that we're, you know, that there's enough of a push, pull and attention that when we do come out of this, whenever we come out of this, uh, that we're actually actively engaging and drawing people back into the body and into what it looks like to worship together. Yeah, those that are taking the opportunity just to skate away for a while or just do the minimalist approach to it, that's that's not what we're to be doing. We're to, we, we should press into this and, and work through it and, and try different things um, in safety and also so that we can worship together. Yes. Yep. Yeah. Um, the next one I, I don't understand. Um, it's, uh, well, let's see if I understand it. I'm not see. so sure. It's, uh, pastors are not entertainers. Oh, I, there you go. Sorry <laughs> about that. Yeah. No, I just I don't I don't understand it. So I will... Uh, I'll let you go, Steve. Oh, no. So, well, my, my first thought about that is um, holding people's attention, feeling feeling the obligation, perhaps, this is the thing, perhaps it's feeling the obligation to hold everyone's attention for the entire time they're there and find a, find a way to um, excite them in order to bring them back rather than expositing God's word and trying to, um, what would you say, Try, trying to not only say what God says, but say it in a way that God feels as well, right? Trying to gauge the emotional reaction of God to a situation and portray that to the congregation and, and let that be and let that settle on them um, rather than 
you know, starting to say, you know, we're, we're going we're gonna to make sure you leave engaged and, and, and alive and alert to what happened here, which may not be scriptural, in which case you have to do that again. You have to make that performance uh, perform again the next time and the next time and probably somehow accelerate that and enhance that in order to keep people's attention because what they've come to expect is the performance and not necessarily the truth. And that's a, that's a danger. I mean, yeah. which is that, where, where would you yeah. go with that? Is that Definitely. close to the mark? I mean, I, I think, you know, it becomes very difficult to stand up front and share Scripture and not engage people, right? Not yeah. try to engage people. And so I think there's, a, there's such a balance of, I think you said it well. How do I how do I first understand what God is trying to speak through the scripture? Because I I naturally get excited when I'm talking about this stuff. Sure. I just I I'm passionate about it and I just think it's an amazing thing that God actually spoke his word and now we get to read it and try to understand it and figure out what it means for us. So I get excited sometimes about weird stuff in the Bible. I I just get excited. Yeah. So it's like, okay, how do I make sure I temper that so people aren't engaged by the excitement, but they're actually engaged by the truth of the text. Yeah. And I think we can easily get distracted by the quality of the orator rather than the quality of the text. I had a conversation with another pastor um, a while ago who said, you know, I leave your messages and I don't ever know more about you. I only know more about scripture. And he said it in kind of a negative way. And I was like, I like that. I mean, I don't, I, he said, you know, you would have a lot more people come to the church if they, if you connected with them more through stories and through, and I said that, that may very well be true, but I would much rather have somebody leave being able to at least reflect on, even disagree with from a scriptural context, rather than understand me better. I can talk to people about that. We can have a conversation. You can get to know me. It's just not what, to me, it's not what the the pulpit is for. Yeah, maybe, maybe so. I, I do think there is a I'm thinking the same on this subject is, is there's room for how did this impact my life how was I ch- in my studies and we do I mean we do this on in small group yeah. as I studied the text this week here's the impact that it had on me here's how I was changed by this and that's a that's a personal way that's maybe a different than what yes a different yeah and, I think it's important it helps helps God showed me this and I experienced this therefore I'm going to explain it to you both in terms of um, fact and what God wants and also experience. Maybe that's good. No, I think, I think if we're not, if I'm not changed by the word, how, what do I expect it to happen to anybody else? And I think, I, I do think you're right. Letting people understand like how we're impacted by the truth of scripture. It, transformation doesn't just happen to the people in the pews, right. but transformation better be happening in me all week so that I can present from a transformed place rather than just, here's mm-hmm. an interesting story. And one way I think you do that is through excitement of, of the Word. You're excited about the Word and excited about what God has to say. So that's good. Okay, we got through five. And honestly, it, it we, right did it, of time. we did it way faster than I expected. And so, <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So um, we are going to stop. We're going to prepare for um, round two of this. But I hope you're finding this engaging. And I appreciate the, the thoughts from, from Steve. This has been fun. Thanks, Steve. Yes, thank you.